and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, Colossians chapter 4 verses 7 through 18 makes the points that God really loves people, so we should too. And now, with our message this morning, is Pastor Robert Elliott. Christ Jesus didn't die for a debate. He didn't die for a cause. He didn't die for a philosophy. He didn't die for sustainable energy resources. Christ Jesus didn't die for personal gain or for global poverty. He didn't die for illnesses or a theological uh, treatise. He didn't die for a political ideology. Jesus Christ didn't die for publicity or for fame. Jesus Christ didn't die for world peace. He didn't die for whales. He didn't die for trees. The Lord Jesus Christ died for people. He died for people, people who all have souls, people who live forever and ever, either in heaven or in hell. God loves people so much that he would send his son to die for us to make us right with him. People are extremely important to God, and so people should be extremely important to you and to me. We're looking at the last verses of the book of Colossians, having worked our way through this amazing book, verse by verse, in previous sermons. We come to verses 7 to 18 of Colossians chapter 4 this morning. And what strikes me in these verses is that 10 individuals and three congregations are mentioned. 10 individuals and three congregations are mentioned in these closing verses of Colossians. That tells me that God the Holy Spirit who moved Paul to write the book of Colossians cares about people. But it wasn't just the people at Colossae that God and Paul cared about. In Rome, the church at Rome, we have the book of Romans in our New Testament. In the book of Romans, 39 individuals are named and eight congregations. God cares about people and so should we. First Corinthians, one of the most messed up ancient local churches that we know of, I called it Las Vegas of the ancient world. God cared about the people in Corinth and in the first book to the Corinthians, seven individuals are named and three other congregations are mentioned. Or take the very last book that the Spirit of God moved the Apostle Paul to write, 2 Timothy. This was Paul's swang song from the Spirit of God, 2 Timothy. He was beheaded by Rome and Emperor Nero in particular the same year that he was moved to write 2 Timothy, AD 68. Interesting enough that Emperor Nero, who ordered the executions of Paul and other Christians, himself suicided one month or two after Paul was beheaded. But what was Paul's heart in that last letter that he wrote for the Bible, 2 Timothy? Well, in 2 Timothy, 16 different individuals are named and two congregations are named. You are getting the point. People are extremely important to God and people ought to be extremely important to you and me. Christ died for people. Christ died for us. 
Now, if we go to the text ahead, Colossians 4, 7 through 18, we are going to meet these 10 individuals. Let me first rattle them off and tell you what we know about them from the New Testament. The 10 individuals that are mentioned by name as God sums up the letter to the Colossians. Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, a group called those who are in Laodicea, another group, those who are in Hierapolis, Luke, who was a medical doctor, Demas, Nymphus, those in the house church at Nymphus's home, Archippus. These are the 10 individuals that are named in the ending of the book of Colossians because people matter to God. And because people matter to God, people must matter to you. Someone has written this, we do not know who. 100 years from now, it won't matter what kind of car I drove, what kind of house I lived in, how much money I had in the bank, nor what my clothes look like, but the world may be a little better because I was important in the life of a child. We could add to that as Bible-believing, gospel-sharing Christians, but the world may be a little better because we were faithful to share Christ and people believed on him and will be in heaven forever. People matter to God. Of course, not everybody trundles through life with people mattering to them. Some people see people as a nuisance, as a tool for their own ends. Some people see people as just men on a chessboard to move around to get their way. J. Edgar Hoover, the former head of the FBI for over 50 years, was such a mercenary man and how he viewed other people in his life. Hoover had questionable ethics. He kept secret files on many people who he thought posed a threat to his power heading up the FBI. History has revealed that he had many plans in place of blackmailing any threats to him. In one example of this, he tried to force Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. to suicide within a 34-day period. When Hoover himself died, he was buried at his request in a thousand pound lead-lined casket. Two of the pallbearers suffered ruptures carrying the casket up the stairs to the rotunda on Capitol Hill. A third pallbearer collapsed. Why did J. Edgar Hoover insist on a thousand pound lead-lined casket? Because when you treat people less than properly, when you suspect everybody, this is what he thought before he died. I need protection of my body from terrorist attack and from nuclear war. People didn't matter to J. Edgar Hoover except for what they could do for him. God takes great love and care in people. He sees us as so valuable that he have his only son to die a horrific death to make fellowship possible for us who would believe on Christ. Now let's go back to these 10 
individuals. I'm going to read through verses 7 and 18 so you get the flow. And then we'll come and look at these uh, 10 individuals, what we know from Scripture about them. This is Colossians 4, 7 to the end of the book. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Let me pause and interject. Paul was in jail when the Spirit of God moved him to write the letter to the Colossians. Verse 9. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings. Also, uh, Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also, Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he is a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Herapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in their house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, writing this greeting with my own hand, remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Today's Helpful Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Good morning and welcome again as we continue our discussion with Deborah, who we have in the studio with us. Uh, the question I have for you today, Deborah, is what is the essential quality? when navigating relationship disputes and or conflicts? This may surprise some people, um, but I think the most essential quality um, from personal experience, from interacting with various clients and listening to their different disputes or the version of their disputes that they present when they come to therapy would be, the most essential quality would be humility. Okay. Um, I believe that it is very important in order to be effective when you have relationship disputes um, or conflicts, to take a posture or to live a life of humility. And this in no way means that you're right if you choose to be humble, but what it does mean is that you have an openness to engage the other person's perspective and not to feel the need to 
constantly advocate your position or your stance or your rightness mm. versus their supposed wrongness. Um, the opposite of humility is pride. Mm -hmm. And often when you listen to a lot of people articulate what has happened in a relationship dispute or conflict, the issue that they're wrestling with is an issue of pride. And so they'll build a case for themselves. They will defend why they did what they did. Um, they will defend why they said what they said, particularly when they know they, they are wrong or they were disrespectful. Um, but very few individuals will take a posture of humbling themselves and even if they know that they were absolutely right, interacting with the person in a manner of humility and mm -hmm. grace. Okay. Um, I believe that humility feeds the expression of truth, authentic grace, and selflessness. Okay. And so you're able to better determine, especially if you're feeling angry, you're better able to rein in your anger so that it is righteous in its expression and not unrighteous. And you're also better able to determine whether or not this is a worthwhile or a worthless battle and how to fight the battle in a worthwhile versus a worthless manner. Okay. Um, and sometimes the best way to fight a battle in a worthwhile manner would be to leave your sword in the sheath, to not yank it out and cut the person to shreds. Um, but I think particularly when you know that you've been wronged and you know that this person has acted in a manner that is unfair to you, it is very easy to jump and put on your self-righteous clothes and just present your case and galvanize support around you and demonize this person and do a lot of damage that will promote dissension rather than unity okay. and restoration and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So if you're truly committed to reconciliation, and if you're going to be able to engage in reconciliation, particularly if you've been hurt by an individual and you've walked with integrity with them, but they've done some hurtful things, engaging a posture of humility is essential. I think the struggle for doing that, uh, a struggle that a lot of people will articulate is that they feel weak if they choose a posture of humility. The truth is when you authentically walk in humility, it is not weak. It takes a lot of strength. Right. If you're not walking in humility, it is perceived as weakness, particularly if you're used to an approach of yelling, shouting, ranting, raving, and defending a point. But what's interesting, even in scripture, you'll find that, for example, in First Peter, Peter speaks to women and he says, you know, if your husband is engaging in disobedience, you engage him with a gentle and quiet spirit. Mm -hmm. Again, that's promoting humility, mm -hmm. meekness, mm -hmm. not defending my point, arguing my position, making sure that everybody knows that I'm right and this person's wrong and humiliating them. It's taking on that disposition that you're going to submit yourself in love, first and foremost to your God, in the way that you interact with this person and even in your interactions with this person. And you don't have to win every battle to be effective in promoting a healthy relationship. Yeah, but the fact is, when we are hurting, our posture then is to hurt back. You hurt me, I want to hurt you a little bit more than you hurt me, rather than being taking on humility. We want revenge. That's why I believe a lot of the killings, as you mentioned already, is taking place in our, our country today. We want revenge, not humility and compassion. And we want revenge. Well, I think, I mean, to be very honest with you, if you truly love the person, or if you truly seek to walk in love, or if you truly seek to walk out the life that Jesus Christ demonstrated, 
there is no other option but humility. Christ was humble, yes. even to the point of death. Yes. And um, I think that when we exact revenge, when we take on this person and we make sure that we present our case and we protect ourselves and we do what we need to do so people know they, they shouldn't mess with us, we miss out on the opportunity to demonstrate love as it has been demonstrated to us from the God that we claim we follow. And he said, love others as I have loved you. So that robs us of all excuses to treat individuals any way we feel like treating them. Um, because we recognize when we look at his life, he's loved us selflessly. Right. And from a posture of humility, look at the example of the way that Jesus treated Judas right before he betrayed him. He washed his feet. Right. And so it is a choice. It is not an easy thing to do, but it is a powerful thing. Raging and ranting is not powerful. It's rudeness. Right. Thank you very much, Deborah, again, for being with us and we pray that we would have all learned something from what you have shared with us these several Sunday. Thank you. Thank and you. God bless. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning. I am pleased to have in the radio studio this morning our wonderful youth pastor, Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Elliot. How are you? And to our listeners, good morning. Uh, thank you. I'm doing well. We are going to have a little segment we're going to call this morning Youth Talk. And uh, I wanted to get some information from you, Pastor Nicholas, about Vacation Bible School. What's going on at Calvary Bible for that? Well, June 27 to July the 1st, uh, we have Vacation Bible School from 9 till 1. And the cost is $20 per student, as well as an optional T-shirt for $10. We supply them with a great time of fun, food, and also a great time of games together for that week. Wonderful. And then how does the Bible fit into Vacation Bible School? Well, if you know the game, Vacation Bible School, yeah, uh, we have a great um, time of every day. They'll have a, a truth that they will learn. And this year, the, the theme is Cave Quest. Cave and Quest. Cave Quest. And it's all about following Jesus, who is the light of the world. Fantastic. So, so if you were actually in a cave, you would need some light. Well, if you come to our VBS, you will see that you will be actually in a cave. Really? We have a cave. It's going to be similar to a cave, and we try to make our um, whole theme centered around our decorations and everything. Will As they enter, they will feel like they're in a cave. That sounds cool to me. Can I duck into that cave when the days come around? Uh, well, every you could come there no, once it's not lunchtime because you may get in trouble because the kids will be upset because you don't <laughs> want them eating their food. Their food. <laughs> That's great. What age children are invited? K-5 up to grade 6, and that means if they have just completed grade 6, they are still eligible to come. So it's not the grade you're entering, it's the grade that you have completed. All right. So what would you say to a listener who maybe is interested to possibly send their child, but they've never sent a child to a vacation Bible school uh, at our particular church? What, would, what should they expect as a parent or as a child? Well, the first thing I would say is to any parent, do you want a break? This is where you have a break from nine to one every day where you don't have to worry about um, what your child is doing, they can come and they get a. It's a good um, environment. Uh, we have you know make sure that nothing happens. We have games. We have um, adults as well as students that help um, these kids um, and just guide them. And we just make sure that it's a very good Christian environment. And if you're not familiar with Carry Bible Church, um, you know we will have the gates closed during the day so that no one no one can enter. Um, that's not supposed to be on the premises. It's going to be a very good time so that we can make sure that they feel safe. But like I said, it gives you a break to do what you want from 9 to 1. 
you know, the summer is here and you're looking, you know, what can I do for my kid? And as I said earlier, it's only $20 and we give them lunch. So that's one last thing you have to worry about. And that sounds great. And uh, there's always a lot of high energy at VBS. High energy is correct. Um, like I told anyone and any of my helpers who are helping, this is the one week that you're allowed to be crazy <laughs> because you have to be like a child. And we know the Bible talks about childlike faith where Christ wants us to be like a child because if you know anything about children, they don't care what they look like, especially when they're praising God. That's right. And I know another thing you've said that's so true is that we really couldn't run Vacation Bible School without our students, our high school students, right? And that is correct, yes. Um, we do have adults that do teach uh, the majority of classes, but we do have some um, students, and our students are the key. Um, like I said, a lot of them come for community service, but these are students that we have um, background checks on, that we check them out and make sure you know, why they're here. Yes, they want to get community out, but we make sure they understand that they're here to serve the Lord. Excellent. Uh, how would a, a parent or a guardian uh, register a child for our VBS? Um, they can call the church office at 326-0800 um, if they need any more information. That's great. And for any a person may not be familiar, our church building is located on Collins Avenue in Nassau at the 6th Terrace. It's a large uh, lemon yellow church building. So we'd be glad to see you if you would like to come in and see us. Well, it's been excellent to uh, talk with you, Pastor, about VBS. Thank you. And if you don't, for some strange reason, don't know where that is on Collins Avenue, it is across the street from the old Golden Buddha Chinese restaurant because <laughs> a lot of people know where that was. So if it's by any chance you don't know. Well, thanks again for coming in this morning to be with us, Pastor Nicholas Rogers. It's no problem. And it's glad to be here. And like I said, I look forward to seeing your kids here at VBS because you know what? If they don't come, they're going to miss it. And like I said, you want a break? We're a better place to be than at a church like Calvary Bible Church where they can come and enjoy and find out more about what following Jesus, the light of the world is all about. Amen. Pastor Nicholas, why don't you pray for our VBS, please, with our listeners? All right, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you. We thank you for loving us, that you would send your son to die for us, Father. And we recognize um, this morning that the only reason we do VBS is because of you. We want to introduce these kids to, to you, um, those who may not have a relationship with you. We want them to come to know you as Savior. And Father, we also just want to show them that the Christian life, whatever people may say, is not a boring life. It is a great life, and we know that there's only one thing and one person that is awesome, and that is your son, Jesus Christ, who came on this earth to die for us. And we pray that you would help us to just realize exactly how much we need you. And Father, again, we just pray that you'd be with our kids and our helpers and our adults, whoever it is, Father, that they would just um, lead in a way that's honoring to you. And we thank you and we praise you for this. We pray for all the other preparation that has to go on, that it will all get done. And we just thank you and we give you all the honor, glory, and praise. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. 
This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. A question comes from Matthew 6, verse 16, which reads, Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. The question is, should Christians practice fasting? Although there is no New Testament command that instructs believers to practice fasting, we do have the example of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, and we have the example of the church at Antioch, Acts chapter 13, verse 3. What is fasting? Fasting involves setting aside the preparation and eating of food to give oneself to God and to devote time to prayer, to actually take the time you would have given over to preparing food and to eating food and giving that same time over just strictly to the purpose of praying. This fasting may demonstrate the seriousness of the believer about a certain matter of prayer concern. Fasting is an expression of dependence upon God rather than upon daily nourishment. When fasting, a believer should avoid calling attention to the practice and should spend additional time with the Lord in prayer, meditation, worship, and Bible reading. Drink plenty of water, but avoid fluids containing sugar or caffeine. I might also add that if you have medical conditions, you may want to check with your physician about the nature and the length of any fast that you contemplate. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.